I apologize that I'm a minute late. I've been ministering <laughs> for the last 20 minutes in the office, so I, time got away from me. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Somebody back there, turn on the lights in the auditorium, please. Somebody, somebody know how to do that? Adam, help us out there. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I, I'll tell you what I, I was feeling, and, and I wish I could tell you specifically what, but I don't know. I, I'd like for you to uh, pray for each other for a little bit here. You say, well, for what? Just let the Spirit of God pray for each other. Uh, join hands uh, however you're comfortable, or put your hands on each other's shoulder if you're male, and you're male or female, or however you however you feel to do that. Obviously, if you're male to, male to female, if you're not related, then we don't touch hand, anything but hands and foreheads of a, a lady that is not our relation. Praise God. Uh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. You don't have to know what that person's need is or what you're praying for if you will just let the Spirit pray through you for them. Jesus' name. Come on. It is so important for us to know and realize, acknowledge that we're not in this alone. That we are members one of another. 
Come on. Can you war against the devil by yourself? There are situations you will be called to do that. But biblically, biblically, the Bible says two are better than one. If any two of you agree is touching anything on earth, they shall have it of my Father which is in heaven. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Itia kahala rata tihelorotolorotobokosha sahaya. Ye kie kalarata tahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He cut a higher Korata Tatahaya. Ye Kiela Rata Tarata Tahaya. Ye Kala Rata Rata Tahaya. Tie Kahaya Rorodobokorata Tahaya. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, find somebody else to pray for.
Pray for somebody other than you're praying with right now. Don't pray with anybody this time that you've just prayed with. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My praise God, praise God. In the name of Jesus. 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 Praise God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Make your way back to your seat. Let's worship the Lord together one more time. Come on. Let's give him thanks. Come on, let's give him praise. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. As I've already said,
This is the fourth one, fourth call award. Every one of them has been just such a privilege to be a part of. It's just such a move of God, such a flow of the Spirit and Word, such ministry, such faith, anointing on the entire body that was present. Just been amazing. But every one of them has been different. And the Lord gave the name Call to War. That wasn't intellect. The Lord gave that name. It's a call to war. You see on the screen it says Call to War 2014, Worldwide Apostolic Revival. Uh, the first letter of world is W. The first letter of apostolic is A. The first letter of revival is R. W A. R. Call to war. There is a call to war. Sean, if you're listening, I need you to come in and turn some ceiling fans on. Thank you. Um, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, I I began to feel that this meeting was, as I as I felt after God for them, what He wanted to do, how He wanted to do it, what the focus was. They they, they asked me, okay, because every year this had a little theme, call to war, whatever. They they wanted a little theme for the graphic, and we've had some theme, and this had already come to me before they asked, and I said, we're all at apostolic revival. War. And uh, as I was feeling after what the Lord's wanting to do and say in this meeting, as I have already said, it was going to be a true call. Uh, One man of God that's closely associated with this church, uh, we were talking about this, and he said last year was a call to call to war. Because the revelation last year was so foundational to everything. It was very foundational stuff, very, very important foundational stuff. And, and so this year's just been so uniquely different. In, uh, just what, where, where God's going, what he's doing, what he's reaching for. And, and, and every one of these meetings so far, we've had times where we've bound together and come against the prince of this and the prince of that. And all that was the will of God. It's all accurate. I'm going to be really surprised if we do any of that. That's not what I'm feeling. Because, as I've already said, I really felt like the Lord was wanting to get us out of this very narrowly defined thing of saying that spiritual warfare was was just this Binding and loosing of devils. When it's, as I said last session, it's essentially everything. And uh, I'm going to tell you the punchline right now because we're in the middle of the meeting. 
This morning's session was session five. This afternoon session is session six out of ten. So we're in the middle of the meeting. So here comes the punchline. We're at the beginning of session six so that we're exactly in the middle of the meeting. Right? The goal is not to come out of this meeting with people who are spiritual warriors. The goal is to come out of this meeting with people who define themselves first as prayers more than anything else. So you can be seated. Ezekiel 2230. I don't know how in the world you can be a man of God and not know Ezekiel 2230. You sure can't want revival and not know Ezekiel 22.30. Most of you could probably quote it uh, pretty closely. And we're going to read it. Ezekiel 22 and 30. There you go. No, 30. Ezekiel 22.30. All right. And don't make me have to come up there and lay hands on you. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. How many? No, no. How many was he looking for? He'd take as many as he could get. But he only needed a man. Hear me when I tell you I have a promise from God. That at least somebody is going to leave this meeting. The man. I have a promise from God. That somebody is going to step up and say I'll be the man. And not just say it, but mean it, and then go home and do it. I have a promise from God that somebody is going to step up and say, if you're looking for a man, I'm the man. And I don't mean leaving the ladies out. In this case, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a non-gender specific situation. I, I, I was uh, looking through this. Again, I'm always checking and rechecking stuff because I want to learn and, and there's always new depths to go with it. And, and, and this standing the gap, make up the hedge, I, I'd always kind of envisioned that that was, uh, this hedge of protection because Satan said of Job, I can't touch him. He's got a hedge around him. But when I studied this context, and did a little research in some of the references behind this statement. <laughs> this is a completely different thing. The hedge here is the protection that the offensive army builds in front of itself when it's come to a city to lay siege against it. So that the defensive efforts of the city you're trying to conquer cannot injure you. 
And so you dig, you dig a seeds trench. And then you build a hedge. It's a, it's not a, it's not a hedge row, a bunch of plants. It's a fortification. To protect the attacking army from the defensive efforts of the city that's under attack. Jesus name. And he said, I, I saw it for a man among them who would uh, stand in the gap, make up the hedge, that I would not destroy the city, but I found none. Now get this. This has this challenges me. I have read these two verses so many times, I don't even know how to begin to count them. I've quoted them, I've prayed them, I've preached from them, I've taught from them. And I, it never, it never ceases to impact me just reading them and, and thinking about what he's actually saying here. If I could have found somebody to plug themselves into the gap in the hedge to keep the defenses sound. I could have spared these people. I only needed one man. He only needed one man to pray for Sodom and Gomorrah. And if there had been at least five righteous, wrath wouldn't have been poured out on those two cities. Because one man prayed. One man prayed. Because, but, but he couldn't find one, so therefore, verse 31, have I, therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with fire, the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. Now they got what they deserved. But I would have worked something differently and I would have been able to have spared them and I, I would have still been able to have been God and true to my word if I could have just found somebody that would have stood in the gap for them, made up the hedge so that I'm still true to my word and yet I could show mercy. But because I couldn't find anybody, I wiped them out because my word demanded that. Isaiah 59, 16. This is kind of a companion verse in a sense, at least in principle. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained them. Him. Isaiah 63, 5 says, Isaiah 63, 5, And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. That, that word wonder is in both those verses, and it literally means in the Hebrew 
to be shocked in amazement, to be dumbfounded, to be absolutely just shocked. I looked, couldn't find an intercessor. And, 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 and my spirit asked the question, how can that be? Out of all the preachers there are, there's no prayer. All the saints that there are, there's no prayer. And that's the title of this lesson this afternoon. Preachers but no prayers. Plenty of preachers. But let me be fair here since I don't know every individual and whatever. Very few prayers. Are you saying all preachers don't pray? That's not what I said. That's the problem. We all pray enough to feel good about ourselves. <laughs> we all pray enough that we can say indignantly, I pray. Of course, nothing happens when we pray. There's no results of our prayer. There's no fruit of our prayer. Nothing's changed when we pray, but we pray. By whose definition? And this is the problem. Dear ones, this is the problem. Huh. It doesn't take a special type someone to pray. It just takes someone who's willing to pray. To pray. Because the Bible is full of examples of all kind of different people from all kind of walks of life in all kind of situations who prayed and God heard, who prayed and God answered, who prayed and God changed things. The diversity is so great that you can't come up with a, 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 a uh, what do they call it now when they, when, when, they uh, profile. You can't profile a person and say they're not going to be a prayer. Uh, they can be a prayer. There's no profile that indicates a person is going to be a prayer. And no profile that says that person's not going to be a prayer. You can't profile people and put them in a category of prayer or not prayer because there's, there is such a diversity of types of people who prayed and types of situations in which they prayed. There is no profile for a prayer because God's no respecter of persons. Amen. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I can't tell you how critical this session is right now because of what's coming. I forget exactly how it was put. But Jesus was talking about people's reaction to John the Baptist. And they, they say, we, we, we piped unto you and you haven't danced. Right. 
in the other place, and I don't remember where, where, where it was exactly how it says it, but they're going to say unto you, that's, uh, that's pretty beautiful words there. That's pretty whatever. And uh, they'll hear the words and compliment them, but they won't hear you heed them and change. Why? Why? Oh, God. God. Preaching that's not undergirded by a genuine prayer life accomplishes nothing. Church plans, church activities, church strategies that, that are not birthed out of a prayer meeting, that are not birthed out of time spent waiting on God. They're just busy work for religious institutions and people who are a part of those institutions. There's no profit in it. There's nothing positive coming out of it. It's just busy work. Our church calendars are so full of activities, we have so little time for God. And the most amazing thing is you can say, well, big churches have a lot of stuff going on. Hey, I'm not talking about big churches and what they've got going on, which is usually too much stuff and not enough ministry and prayer. But that's just whatever. But I go to churches that are small, and you hear their announcements, and they talk about activities. There's no time for ministry. There's no time for prayer. There's no time for soul winning. They got every, every, every night scheduled. And they don't have any time for families either. Why? Because we know that our church services and our preaching is so empty of real effectiveness that if we don't keep people busy so they don't have time to get in trouble, they'll end up backslidden. I got news for you. In that atmosphere, they're already backslidden. And so is the ones leading them. Because the worst kind of backsliding there is, is the backslider in heart who's filled with his own ways, the scripture says. Because that person is the backslider that has the most difficult time acknowledging, seeing and acknowledging that they're backslidden. The former child of God who's in the gutter someplace selling her body for drug money or sleeping around with women and cheating on his wife has a better chance of being saved because they know what they're doing is wrong than the person sitting on the seat or standing in the pulpit who's backslidden in her heart because they're full of their own ways and so self-satisfied and self-inflicted blindness that they can't acknowledge they're wrong. Therefore, they can't repent. Therefore, they can't get right with God. Just looking for a man. If every one of those churches 
just had somebody that would stand up, not toot their own home, not not stand up in front of people, not declare it to the preacher or declare it to the church, but just with God stand up and say, Lord, whatever it costs me, I'm praying till this church is absolutely revived from the pulpit to the back row, from from Sunday to Sunday, this church is revitalized and is alive and on fire for you. I'm going to pray. You can count on me, Jesus. I'm yours. Day and night, I'm going to pray until it happens. Oh, God, grant that every one of those churches, you could find just one person just one who will not be critical of the preacher, not be critical of the people, not be critical of the music and the singers and the whatever and whatever. They will stop criticizing and start standing in the gap for that church until it changes. Just one, Father. Just one for each one of those churches. If you, if you can't find any, any more than that, could you just find one? Call them to that prayer. Let, give them the grace to be committed to that. Give them the faith and the intestinal fortitude to stick with it no matter how much it doesn't look like it's happening. To pray and press until it changes. Just at least one, Father. Just at least one. Because if you can't find one, you're going to have to destroy. Because they're making a mockery of your name. Just one, Father. Could you just at least find one? In the divine plan of God, that one would be the one that does most of the preaching. But God, if you can't even get the preacher to do it, find somebody there to pray until the preacher's prayed through and the people become prayed through and everybody involved gets prayed through, repented, on fire for you, not being critical, not telling anybody what you're doing, not going around patting yourself on the back and bragging to everybody about what you're doing, but just one God, just one could you at least find just one, one God, just one in every one of those churches, big and small, could you at least just find one? And whether you ever tell anybody that person's name and whether this side of eternity, anybody ever knows what they did, they're willing to be selfish, selfless, and pray and have confidence in you, God, that they pray until it happens. Jesus' name. Are there any ones in this room right now? No, no, don't raise your hand. Not to me. No, no, no. This is between you and Jesus. Raise your hand all you want, but you do that. Now you, now you don't go do it. You're in trouble with God. I'm not looking for a response outwardly. But are there any ones in here that, that, that you know, again... <laughs> through desire you seek and intermeddleth with all wisdom man having separated through desire man having separated himself again that word is generic not gender focused through desire man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom 
I was retired from the Navy on the 1st of December 1969. And my first revival was scheduled the first weekend of January 1970. And back then, the Home Missions Division was doing an evangelist seminar during the week between Christmas and New Year's. And uh, you had to have already been a full-time evangelist to be able to attend. And they paid your mileage and took care of your hotel room and food. And, and, and you were able to attend the services. And, oh, something in me wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be a part of that. And I, I wrote Home Missions, the director, and said, this is who I am. I've been in the Navy, and I, I've just retired, and God, God, has, God has just got me out. And, and I got my first revival scheduled the 1st of January, and I'm full-time after that. And I know I, I, don't, I know I don't meet your criteria, but is there any way you just let me come, even if I had to pay my own way? I don't know what it was they read in that letter. I don't know what they read. I don't know what they felt. I don't know what God said to them. But I got a response that said, by all means, come, and we'd be happy to take care of your expenses. My, what a, what a meeting. It was just evangelists and their wives. and There was such a move of God. And in that meeting, it was the first time I met a man. I met a man named Keith Clark. He was one weird dude. My Lord, even in that that group of evangelists, he stood out as different. Because when we prayed, he didn't just pray, he prayed. And when everybody else was through praying, he was still hanging around praying. And I asked some people about him, and they said, oh, yeah, yeah. He went to Bible school, and, and, and some of us went with him. He he he. he He's a great athlete, but we couldn't hardly ever get him to to go play sports with us because all he wanted to do was hang out in the prayer room. He just prayed all the time. He was strange. We didn't know what to make of him. We prayed, but he was fanatical about it. He just prayed all the time. And I'm listening to this, and I'm going, Oh, God. Oh, God. That's what I want to be like right there. That's what I want to be. Keith Clark preached for a couple of revivals for us here. Some of the greatest meetings we've ever had in the history of this church. He preached for us seven weeks one time. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, morning, Sunday night. Five services a week, seven weeks. And when I tell you that sitting there on the platform, knowing the people sitting out there, when I tell you in seven weeks... I never one time heard him preach a message that wasn't absolutely 100% on the money reading the mail of the sinners and, and, and backslidden heart people in that, in that room. It was the most amazing thing to me. I mean, back then, I knew how much of a struggle it was for me at times I couldn't tell you I heard from God every service. I was trying to. I was doing my best. But sometimes I went through periods of times where I failed more than I succeeded. And to hear this man preach 35 times in seven weeks and didn't even remotely come close to being only 90% on. 
But you see, as amazing as that was, in my heart of hearts, I knew exactly why that was the case. Because the man prayed. My mother-in-law was an evangelist. She doesn't preach much anymore. And while my wife was, was at home, when school let out, until school started back, they were on the road the whole summer, almost every year of her life. And my wife traveled with her mother. And I've been a part of some of those meetings when I first got in the family. And then my wife's told me stories. And let me tell you something. In all my years of listening to preaching, my mother-in-law has got a little, a little bit of Indian blood in her, but she looks like she's 100%. She's got those deep-set dark eyes and those high cheekbones that make her eyes look like they're way back in her head. And, and even when she's smiling, she looks sober. And buddy, she'd spend four, five, six, seven, eight hours a day in prayer in a revival. And when she got in the pulpit and those eyes of her bore down on you and she began to preach what God put in her soul, the place thundered and quaked. I, I just about ain't never heard anybody who could preach and have conviction fall in a place like she could. I'm going to tell you that right now. I remember one of her messages. She preached this message, and, and, and it was a quote of, 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 of something David said. David said, I am ready to halt. And, oh, God, have mercy. She began to preach that. I remember that service, man. I was quaking inside. I am ready to halt. And you will either halt before God and give yourself to him, or God will halt you. It wasn't flesh. She never even finished high school. You kidding me? It wasn't intellect. She just immersed herself in the Spirit of God. Got a hold of God. Her soul was on fire as she mused. The fire burned. And she didn't just preach Rama. She preached Rama that was on fire. And when it lodged in your being, it set you on fire. Just one. Just one, Lord. Just one. Would you, in your mercy, just find one in every dead church, every religious tradition Pentecostal church and give that one the humility and the determination to pray until revival falls let's pray for a minute please my lord there's something happening in this room oh my there is there is a work of the Spirit of God in this room right now. Ooh, we got plenty of preachers. Do we have any prayers? 
we could see a whole lot more happen. If we had people who would pray, we wouldn't need as many preachers as we had just had more prayers. Boy, everybody and his brother seems like somebody says, people said, I'm called to preach. Oh, just one time. I'd like for somebody to come up with me, up to me and say, I'm called to pray. Just one time, I'd like for somebody to go up with me and me be able to see the, hear the, and feel the witness of the Holy Ghost in my spirit when they say, I'm called to pray. If I never get in a pulpit, that's okay. I'm called to pray. If God never uses me in a way that people know who I am or what I do, I'm called to pray. 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 My God. Oh God. It's happening in this room right now. The Spirit of the Lord. The angels of God are passing up and down in this room right now. He's seeking out for somebody. Somebody. That's willing to be called to prayer. We're so bogged down waiting on these tables. Find you some Holy Ghost filled people that we can appoint over this matter. Because as for us, we're going to give ourselves to prayer. And then we'll minister the word. But first and foremost, we're going to give ourselves as a gift. That's the, that's the word there. We're going to give ourselves over to. We're going to surrender ourselves as a gift to prayer and the ministry of the word. We got way too much preaching going on with too little praying. We'd see a whole lot more happen with a lot more prayer and a lot less preaching. And I'm not against the preaching. Don't, don't, don't twist my words trying to reject what I'm saying. He didn't say I sought for a man to preach to him. Could find none. He didn't say I start for a man to stand in the gap and preach. No. He sought for an intercessor. He sought for a man, a person to stand in the gap and pray. Brother Wright, why isn't anything happening in my ministry? Why isn't God opening any doors for me? Why isn't any opportunities coming my way? I'll tell you what you do. You find yourself a secret place to play, pray and spend absolutely as much time in that place as you can. And you won't know what to do with all the opportunities to preach. You won't know what to do with them. We got plenty of orators. We don't have that many that can stand in the pulpit. When they open their mouths, you go, oh, wow, this person knows how to pray. Oh, wow, this person knows how to pray. You can feel it. You can tell that this, this person knows how to pray. Because let me tell you something. When a prayer opens their mouth, everybody knows it. Not because they're announcing I'm a prayer, 
but you can feel it. You can feel it. I am not endorsing their doctrine. I am not. But in 1986, I had an opportunity to go to Seoul, Korea, to Paul Yonggi Cho's church. I only went because God had given me the, a personal revelation of small group ministry and homes out of the Bible, please. I didn't even know there were any books on the subject. And I ho- heard about this man in his church, and a door was open for me to go to a meeting he had there. And I went, and they talked all about the church structure and all that. And he had 750,000 members, and I was there. I saw it, uh, I, and I'm not going to take the time to go into the details. But they had seven services a Sunday, and only and only 50,000 could attend each one of those services. And if you'd been saved over three years, you weren't allowed to come but to one service a month. Because the primary, their primary ministry was home groups. He, that, that wasn't anything said that God had, they said that they were doing and how they did it, that God hadn't already shown me for myself in the book. Nothing. But oh my God. My. Anybody that reduced that church down to just a bunch of small groups, they didn't know what they were talking about. We were in three days of seminar, and then on Saturday, they took us by bus up to their place they call Prayer Mountain. It was a retreat up outside of Seoul in the mountains. They had a, an old tabernacle up there that would seat about 10,000. And there were all kind of houses and little cabins and dormitories on the ground. And if you were a member of that church, you were not allowed to go up there for less than three days. And there was no food allowed anywhere on the grounds. So if you were coming to pray, you were fasting three days and no food. And at any given time, there was a minimum of 5,000 people on the grounds every day of the week. Praying. They had seven prayer services a day. They didn't get together and sing and preach. They prayed. They had corporate prayer seven times a day. And then the rest of the time, people were finding personal places to pray. And they prayed. And then on Sunday, we were they made room for us to be in one of their services. Services were pretty blasé. They had seven services Sunday and four orchestras with over 50 instruments, each orchestra that took turns in the services. And they had seven 100-voice choirs. And they sang for us. The whole service was in Korean and they interpreted through headphones for us. But the choir sang in English the Hallelujah Chorus. Poo-hoo. Wow. But there was nothing spectacular about the services until they were asked to pray. My God. I've been to Niagara Falls a couple of times. But when I tell you, when they were asked to pray and given a signal now, pray almost instantly we were in the 25,000 seat auditorium they had a, a other auxiliary buildings that would allow them to seat another 25,000 in that service huge mass of people and when they prayed it wasn't Pentecostal style oh praise God hallelujah it was like standing at the bottom of Niagara it was a roar of prayer 
And it didn't go on 15 seconds. It didn't go on 30 seconds. It didn't go on a minute. It never abated whether the man let him pray three minutes or five minutes or whatever it was, it never abated till he got his little bell out and, and rung it in the microphone. And that was the only sound they could hear above the roar. And that would cause them to stop and it would slowly die down. And then they'd go on with something else at their service. And then there'd come another point. It was time to pray. That same thing. You couldn't pray. You were so in absolute awe of it. It was hard to participate with it because you, you're thinking to yourself, how do you get in that but without being swept away? I, I don't know. I don't, how do you get in? That wasn't a flow. That was a torrent. I don't remember how many times it was. It was at least four. Could have been more times. Same thing. Every, every, every service, every, every point. In that service, that's the only thing I really remember. I remember the choir singing the Hallelujah Chorus, and that was awesome. I don't remember anything else was done. I don't remember the message. I don't remember any of that. But I remembered the prayer. Oh, my. And you know what? Because I had been to Prayer Mountain the day before, there was no question in my mind they weren't putting on. They weren't putting on. They prayed. Because when your life is such a life of prayer, it only takes a little bit of an opening for it to pour out. Spirit. I'm done. I'm done. The Lord's called us to prayer. I'm not foolish enough to to override that. Come on. My God. My God.
Come on. Come on. It's not, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. This is between you and Jesus, Jesus and you. Doesn't matter whether somebody else is doing a better job of it or a worse job than you. It's not a, it's not a matter of comparing yourself with others or by others. This is just you and Jesus, Jesus and you. What's going to happen? In the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus, make me a prayer. Make me a prayer, Jesus. I'm many things to many people, Father. But to you, I want to be a prayer. When you see me, I want you to see prayer. I want to be a prayer, Father. I want to be defined by my prayer. I want you to find me by my prayer life. By my fellowship with you, Father. I want to be a prayer. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Glenn. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 I'm adjusting the temperature. It'll be okay in a minute. I know it's a little cool. In the name of Jesus. 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 I want to be a prayer, Father. I want to be someone you can trust to pray. I want to be someone you can trust to call to pray and have confidence that I'll respond. I want to be someone you can call to pray and trust that I will pray until the answer is there. Jesus' name. Jesus' name.
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs>